This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Scott. And today we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> Flight to Forever by Poole Anderson. This is first published in Super Science Stories, November 1950. Uh, so this would have come out uh, just after Atomic Energy has shown its... <laughs> I guess that's a, a kind of silly thing to say, but it's got atomics in here. Um, uh, I read this book before. Um, it came out, I think, in 2007, and it was called Joe Haldeman's The Accidental Time Machine. Yeah, no, no, Joe Haldeman stole from this story. Uh, I, I think he did, but did he know that he did? Because he didn't mention, as far like I watched a, a, Google, a Google talk, and he didn't mention this story at all, and I was like, I don't think he. I don't think he stole. I think it's just parallel. You know, I think he didn't know well, about it. Well, it, it, it's been published a number of times since its original publication, Super mm. Science Story. Where I came, where I came across it was a anthology in 1982 called The Last Man on Earth, edited by Isaac Asimov and Martin right. Green, which had a lot of stories about unquote, the last man, and that's where I came across this story and fell in love with it. It's like that was that was a great that was back. Back when I was like a twelve or thirteen at the time, and I was just reading every science fiction story I could get my hands on, it's like, <laughs> like oh my god, I think this might be. I have to think hard. This might be. It's certainly one of my first Paul Anderson stories and novel novels. I'm not sure if it is the first or not, but it's really close. Hmm. Well, the, the first time I encountered this idea that I remember was actually in a Writers of the Future anthology. Huh. Um, volume 23, which was, I think the first one that they did on audio. Oh. So I think that I listened to it. Well, I must've uh, heard it too then. Cause that, that would have been when you and I were reviewing everything, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, um, it was done by audible, audible mm-hmm. studios. And the story was prime time by oh, yeah. Texter, uh, Douglas Texter, I believe was his name. Yeah, that sounds real <clears throat> familiar. I think I yeah. probably wrote about it. <laughs> so if, if I remember, I didn't reread it, but if I remember the plot of that one, there was a reporter who, um, you know, you got time machines and you could go back in time to witness events and you could report on them. And uh, somehow he he angered somebody. I can't remember the exact circumstance, but somebody locked him in the time machine and set it forward. And he was basically trapped in it and it was moving forward the entire time. And he was watching the, the whole landscape and everything just change right in front of his eyes, like a movie. And it's, it was the same, same premise of only forward time travel. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't control anything. He he was locked in it and it was moving forward. And the universe was dying. I mean, that was he went 2007 so far. as well, according to yeah. this, which yeah. is interesting. Um, yeah, it's uh, Joe Haldeman doesn't seem like the kind of guy to me who would lift somebody's story and then mm-hmm. not mention it. So I have a feeling he didn't know. 
know about it. And, you know, given that he's older than both you and I and, and, and Paul too, um, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think that he would be, um, reading like when you're a, a writer, you sort of stop reading everything after, uh, you start writing. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Paul, uh, you're a writer. You, you, uh, weren't reading while you were writing, were you? I find it difficult to read when I write. Right. So he was writing all during that period. He started in like 1970 and, and, and because I, I heard, I, I don't think I sent it to you, but there is a great, um, it's pretty good, uh, talk at Google he gave at 2007 where he reads from the accidental time machine, but he describes the premise and how, how the story came about and it doesn't, it doesn't mention Paul Anderson's story at all. But mm. at the time I read The Accidental Time Machine, I'm 99% sure that I had never even heard of this story. So, yeah, it, it Paul, you're saying it, it got a re, it got a number of reprints. Mostly though, it was in that um Last Man on Earth anthology. Um so it goes 1950, then it's reprinted 1951. Best, best of the year 1952 in 52, right? Then year's best 54, selected science fiction magazine number, f- number two, 55, and then 1982. So a huge gap. Then the time, the time jumps into 1980. Right. I see a- <laughs> and so I, I don't think, I, I don't think it would have been in the right era for him to have been reading. I think it's, it's just, it's a natural sort of, uh, idea after you read the time machine by H.G. Wells, don't you think? Because mm-hmm. that's all about forward time travel. It's, he does go back in time, but we never see that, right? He just shows up back where he, he started. And in fact, um, uh, Doctor Who is inspired by, you know, the time traveler and, and, uh, and, and their whole thing was, why doesn't he go back in time, right? Um, here, it isn't about backward time travel, even though he does get there, right? Um, and we see a little bit of, of the ancient period. But the whole point of, like, H.G. Wells's time machine, in my view, is it's, it's doing two things. It's one, it's saying geology tells us the Earth is super goddamn old, right? If the mm-hmm. Earth is super goddamn old, that means dot 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 right and and makes you start questioning a lot of things right instead of the six thousand year old earth or whatever you know period in in uh your religion tells you it has to be only a certain period back if you're treating it like a literalist interpretation which you probably shouldn't um or it that's the other thing the other thing is he's saying evolution right when he talks and we get that in this book too. He's saying evolution isn't a um, ladder; it's it's a yo-yo or something like that. Right? And, or not even evolution. Um, social social and technological development is not an increasing always up higher and yeah, higher, it's not a better ladder. and better. It, and that humanity need not be the the pinnacle of evolution because we see in in the far far future it's just a crab on a beach, right? The, the, so that's what that's doing. So if you, if you're saying let's look at the future, um, 
and you're saying let's look at the far future rather than you know time travel to the past and kill Hitler. Um, you, I think it's a natural idea, um, and given that great title, "Flight to Forever." Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I guess we could ask him, Joe Haldeman. Um, had you read Fl- "Flight to Forever"? But I, I really like that book still. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad book. But you, you, have you read it? Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I read it when it came out. I back, thought it was really fun. I thought it was fun and interesting. It does thought, basically oh, the wait, same I've thing. I've read this before. I can't remember the name of it offhand. I might have to go looking at ISFDB. But there's a Robert Silverberg novella short novel where a pair of twins time travel, but they keep alternating back they go further and further but back and forward in time in small in larger gaps every time so like like one second one minute and but since they're twins that's they have to balance each other so they wind up in the end 95 million years in the past and 95 million years in the future and they're going to come back again and they keep interacting with each other in interesting ways of course they see they see they see a far, they see a far future similar to the one here where he basically talks to quote unquote the gods there's a little bit of that in that story. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if Silverberg read that one too. What, what year do you day. think that was? Um, 80s, I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, so it would have been before Accidental and Time Machine, but long after this. Oh, yeah. It's definitely before. I, I, read it, I, let, I read it definitely before Accidental Time Machine. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Scott, is cool. this your first yeah. time reading it? Yeah, it is my first time reading it. Um, oh, it yeah, reminded Scott's, me a little of yeah, Tau Zero. Yes, yeah. Scott is new to... Uh, to the goodness of Paul Anderson. <laughs> oh no, no, Scott read you. You've read Paul Anderson, well, well, all right? Well, well yeah, the, 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 our our SFF audio uh, journey <laughs> yeah. are all of Paul Andersons we've done on this show are pretty much what I've read of him. Oh really? Oh, I thought yeah. you had read more than yeah. that. Well, uh, maybe Paul can answer this. I heard um, maybe it was um, on some review somewhere that "Boat of a Million Years" is similar. Uh, that's also no, 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 no. But Boat of a Million Years is basically I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to not sell it to you. Boat of a Million Years is basically Highlander without the sword fighting. Uh okay. So so it's, it's, it's immortals it's traveling into the future. Just it, it's it, immortals living into the future, right. running into each other. It's the way I'm doing adventures. it. Right? What's that? That's the way I'm doing it. Traveling <laughs> one year every year into the future. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they they kind of run into each other now and again, and have this all all I'm planning on I'm planning on doing it the exact same way they do. It's, it in it, it, it's probably Anderson's last good standalone novel. It's yeah. not as good it's as an, some of his other it's, stuff. I think it's, it's not in a bad. tour double, so it's it can't be that long. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's I mean, in a tour double. I mean, I, I I mean, I remember reading that not long after reading this. So it's again an, an early Paul Anderson. But it is, it's about time travel in that sense, right? In, 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 in the sense, it's the, the slow path to use the Doctor Who phrase. Yeah, that's the path I'm taking. Uh, <laughs> I want to also point out, yeah, okay, it did get show, It was in a collection of uh, Brainwave, The Boat of a Million Years, and The Guardians of Time, which I think I've read all three of those. Yeah, we didn't we do Brainwave on this podcast? Pretty sure we did. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. No, we haven't I, done Brave. We have not done Brave Wave. Pretty, sure, done brainwave? pretty sure we've brainwave? done Brainwave. Isn't Brainwave pretty sure it's the, a good book. the one where the animals get smart? That's right. And oh, and yeah. there's a monkey uh, riding an elephant. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes, we did do Brainwave. There you go. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. So uh, the other thing I was thinking about why Accidental Time Machine is not a ripoff of this exactly, rather than just sort of he he stumbled into the exact same situation, is that if you think about um, Joe Haldeman's first novel, uh, The Forever War, it actually does the exact same thing except they don't loop, right? Yes, that 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 is a time travel into the future using the collapse arc and and the increasingly strange future, right? Where you know it starts off, yeah, the war is over and we're friends with aliens, right? And then they go forward into the future and uh, everybody's gay, and then they go forward into the future and now there's only one gender. <laughs> there's only there's only one person. They're all clones. Right, so, right. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, I guess we we'll just keep going because. <laughs> Um, now I did uh, extra homework for this and I didn't send you guys because I, I'm, I'm jealously hoarding it. And also I got started late. Um, mm-hmm. have you guys seen the Futurama episode? That's an adaptation of, uh, this. I've heard of it, but never I, actually seen it. Yeah. I, I noticed that on the Wikipedia entry uh-huh. and I, I am 12 minutes and two seconds into it. I'm oh, right up here. I was watching it right before. Yeah. And, it, uh, of course it's hilarious, it but is it is, it, it actually uh, the writers actually said, "Yeah, we use this as a model for Absolutely. this story." I mean, they're they're not claiming that it wasn't uh, inspired is by. Is Future Arm streaming somewhere that I could go watch this? Um, Hulu is where I got it. Okay. Yeah. Good to good to know. I'll have to watch that because I've only heard of the episode. I've never actually seen it. Since this is one of my favorite stories, Paul Anderson or otherwise, <laughs> mm-hmm. I I think I should see how they how they do. Yeah. Yeah, I loved how Paul Anderson, he, he said, you know, it, it was it was just really cool how he explained how you can't, the reason you can't go back very mm-hmm. far. Um, you need it, you know, eventually the curve just gets vertical and you need an infinite amount yeah, it's, of... It's a mathy sort of uh, Yeah, it's the same thing as like that, it's, it's that very speed mathy. of light thing, right? It's mm-hmm. it's kind of the same type and of... And they, they, they use that analogy right in the story. It's like you can yeah. get arbitrarily close, but you can't actually get there. I want right, to right. point out... And in out- Futurama, they're, they're like moving forward and they're like, uh, we need to go forward in time until someone invents the backward in time time machine... Same as this, <laughs> this story. And, and yeah, so there was no mention that it was impossible or anything, but I loved in this story how everywhere they got, they said, yeah, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how far forward they got, it was, no, sorry, you can't do that. Even the gods, okay. they were like, no, I mean, can't, you have, can't, can't do it. You have to go forward. <laughs> and it got to the point where the giraffes have taken over the earth and enslaved humanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> oh, I, I want to point out that, uh, uh, I believe this shows up probably in the second uh, Back to the Future movie where it's actually kind of similar to, um, he, in Accidental Time Machine, he hooks, he hooks his, uh, friend's car up to his t- Accidental Time Machine, uh, in order to, you know, do his university thesis or whatever. Um, he's going to show evidence that, you know, he's time traveling into the future. Um, and so he uses a car, right? So in Back to the Future, their time machine is a car as well. Um, in the, in that Futurama episode, which is season six, episode seven, the late Philip J. Fry, um, that, in that one, they use a sort of a time car that looks like, uh, something that the, uh, time traveler from the time machine by H.G. Wells would have used. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But uh, one of the nice red interior. One of the thing that's <laughs> is cool, I think, in and I never thought about this before, but I, it must have been stolen from this in Back to the Future. You remember when Doc, whatever, what's his name? I was going to say Doc Labyrinth, but that's a Philip mm-hmm. Dick character. Doc, Doc Brown. Brown. Doc Brown. Doc Brown. That's it. Yep. Right when Doc Brown uh, puts it in the uh, DeLorean, it's because it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> time machine has to look cool. Uh, but he also, um, when he time travels with it, when the car comes out of the future, um, it's, it's hot. Do you remember that? The, the, yeah. the cold. Oh, yeah. it's cold. Or it's one or the right. other. It's one yeah, or the yeah, other. I remember the kind of yeah. steam coming up. Right. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Uh, because yeah, Marty says, "Is it hot?" It's like, "No, it's cold, damn cold." Right, but yeah. when they go in the opposite direction, it does the opposite temperature. I, th- I believe. Um, so that's why I'm saying it might only be in the one where they go uh, back. To, oh, maybe not. They go backward and forward in time, don't they? In the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, uh, the whole uh, upgrading your time machine. <laughs> he does that. He goes um, in the end of. Uh, the original Back to the Future movie, he comes back, he says, Marty, you've got to come back to with me. And he starts loading the car with garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Mr. Fusion. Fusion. Mr. Yeah. Fusion, because he's got a, he's got an atomic reactor that is much upgraded. <laughs> doesn't have to get his uh, nuclear uh, plutonium from the, uh, the Libyans. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, that, the whole. That so dates that movie. It's pretty uh, good, right? Um, any case, oh, and, any, and in this story, yeah, it's different, right? He's he's got a vacuum tube driven time machine. Oh, he's got batteries, and it, right? Yeah, and, and I loved in the well, the vacuum tubes too. Sure, um, which you know you need to warm up to get them to work yep. and all this stuff. I love yep. it. You know, they're like a well, million years. Nineteen seventy three. They still, haven't got transistors yet. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they're they're a million years in the future, and they're warming up the time machine. And also, uh, it said at the beginning, right before they they left, they packed a bunch of spare parts right right because vacuum tubes failed all the time that's right and yeah. they did mm-hmm. so the, yeah this is actually a pretty well thought out i think what's strange to me about it i was like well that's a kind of a weird thing is there feels like like a lot of nods to um i don't know space opera for no reason <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess it tells you when it was written, right? If you look at the, even the cover of the original, and I downloaded the PDF, or I made the PDF, um, and I included that cover. It's got, you know, rocket ships shooting, you know, ground stations and a lady princess running around telling people what to do. And, and that's like princess. She's the empress. Well, Thank she will be. Much. She will be. No, she, it's not even she will be. She considers well, it's herself. Dis- it's disputed, that, that- Paul. It is disputed, but she says that she's the empress and she's restoring the empire. She's not she's becoming empress, that she is empress because she's the last she's the last descendant from five thousand years ago, the last emperor to to uh, actually be anointed according to the normal form. So she she is she is the empress that thank you very much and she's gonna restore the empire. All right. Well it's with like Hell. I say, it's disputed, but um she does eventually gain uh, the upper hand there. Um notice that he he basically forgets forgets about Eve. Um, I don't think he forgets. He doesn't forget it. No, 
I can argue it. No, he doesn't forget about Eve at all. I'm, I, I mean, yes, he falls in love with Tori. Yes, he does. But he doesn't forget about Eve because yeah, he, it's, it's almost a, it's almost a, because he mentions that he has like, oh, he, he'll have to go on and go back to a woman who loves him. So it's, it, 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 it's, 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 it's like, okay, he, I mean, it's like, and then there will be the carefully centered thesis story and the life spent in satisfying work with a girl who was sweet and kind and beautiful, even if she wasn't Tori. It was enough for a mortal man. So no, she didn't. He didn't think about Eve at all. Mm-hmm. And besides, at the time when he was fifty thousand years in the future, I mean, he falls in love with Tori because a, she's a Paul Anderson He's redheaded dead. strong he, strong he can woman. Move on, I get it. Right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, I mean, I mean, and and this is a Paul Anderson redheaded strong woman. Of a type that we see in many of Paul Anderson stories, of course he's going to fall in love with her. I fell in love with her when I was thirteen when I read this story. So, you know? <laughs> well, she's she's yeah. she's mostly uh, that's that's what's so funny is she's that like that part of the story sticks out to me as like oh that's silly. <laughs> but if, if you're he, 13, he, wanted, and, he wanted he wanted to get his sword and sword, sword and planet. That's, I yeah. mean, he he does do all sorts of little. It's very bits Buck of, Rogers, like for kinds no of yeah, kinds of stories in telling this time travel. I mean, we have that's true. We, that's we, a good we, point. I mean, we have we have the uh, where Sam gets killed with the militia and the uh, and the machines, and then we have Bogota and and mm-hmm. that the city under siege, and we have and I mean, I was blown away, like oh my god. It, pyramid that lasts 20,000 years what the hell we have <laughs> weird alien ruins we have all sorts of slices of a future and that's what really powered me back then it's like seeing like the future is not going to be just one straight up ramp it's going to have ups and downs and all sorts of weird things you can't even possibly predict yeah, it's, for it, sure. it, it, I think you make a good point with it being a picaresque so that we have all picaresque, these, there's a good word Thank uh, you. all these different sorts of of realities. Um, one of the things that, uh, makes this a little neat, neater and maybe nicer, um, because it's got that circularity. Um, and, uh, Paul, you wouldn't know, but, uh, Scott, you might have noticed, um, they tie together as a love story as well, uh, with, with, um, Leela in the future. Oh, episode. yes. Uh-huh. So yeah. she, she, they're going out on a date and the episode's called mm-hmm. The Late. Philip K. Fry, uh, Philip J. Fry. Yeah, he keeps he right. keeps showing up late, and uh, now he's dead. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So Leela moves on. <laughs> she starts <laughs> dating other people and marries them and owes them alimony, and you know everybody ends up heads in jars, etc. Um, but uh, she met a great idea that is not in this story, and I don't think is in an accidental time machine. So they actually improved on some of the ideas here is um, Leela sends a message to Fry in the future. Now she doesn't know that she's sending this message to him. She's just doing it. I think to, or maybe she does know it doesn't say um, she goes to this cave where they were supposed to have a restaurant called the uh, cavern on the green <laughs> <laughs> under new, New York. And uh, the waiter at one point, while she's waiting for her date to show up uh, explains how the, cave formation is made over millions of years so she goes there um and shoots a uh a message into the ceiling and that causes over millions of years drippings on the floor of the cave that allows uh fry to see you know uh the best 
time of my life was spent with you, Fry, or whatever whatever message it is. And that ability to send a message to the future um, shouldn't be a novelty in in that. But the thing is, is Eve in this story has she is just a uh, a thing to be gotten back, right? Or a thing to be. Uh, she's somebody to be returned to. What, she what, has like no agency the, in the story itself, right? What, like, like the recent movie version of the Time Machine, where I haven't seen that. Where uh, it's not it's with Guy Pierce. It's not great. He's mm-hmm. basically trying to get backed. Because he's trying, basically, trying to save her life. Is basically the yes. I don't know why they had to add that to the plot, but basically, he's trying to save his love wife's stories, life. Uh, love stories. Love uh, stories give meaning. To a story without, but it feels ungainly yeah. tied. To, it does. It, well, it that's doesn't probably why the movie well doesn't with, work, right? And why I haven't yeah, heard it, much about it. Yeah, it doesn't join well with the rest of the with with with, with the plot at all. Oh, side side note: I found the name of the uh, the Silverberg story I was talking about. It's called Project Pendulum. It was actually a novel, mm. not just a story. Hmm. It was written in 1987. Okay, right. Yeah, Pendulum. Mm-hmm. So that. Uh, that's the one with the twins, um, separated That's what by twins, 95. Yeah, we're going, yeah, going back and forth further and further in time both ways, yeah. So that actually uh, ties it to Heinlein, right, who's uh, who's uh, got a twin story where one stays on Earth and the other uh, goes on a starship. And then when they meet up again, there are different ages because of, you know, relativity. Um, I. I want to say it's Time of the Twins, but that's that's a different book. <laughs> that's a that's different book. Dragonlance. Um, but yeah, there is uh, an, uh, there is a tradition of different different ways of traveling into the future. I think it's it, I think this is a pretty good book, even though it's um, it does feel like with that very 1930s Captain Future uh, sequence that it makes up a a good chunk of the second half of the book. Um, it, it, I guess that's, I guess that's his version, Paul Anderson's version of, um, spending time with, uh, with the Morlocks and the Eloy, right? That's his sort of main thrust of the, of what the future will be like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I found myself intrigued by all the places he, he stopped briefly. Like, notice how many times they get attacked for being time travelers. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I think like that, the idea that once time once time travel is seen as a thing, it's seen as possibly dangerous. And because they mean, they mentioned in the story at one point there was an army that decided time travel in the future and cause havoc. So time travel time travelers are dangerous. Yes, but once once we have the idea of time travel, uh, in you know. The, there was these guys. They invented time machines, right? They can only go into the future. So we can imagine uh, that there should be other time travelers uh, along this path. And it fe- feels like that's not explored quite enough because it makes me think about how how did they know that? How did the city of the gods know? The gods in the city of the gods know uh, to keep going, right? That they they'd be able to loop again. If I was adapting this, you know, and it wasn't a Futurama adaptation, but I'd have to make it funny in places, I would like have them stop uh, with the city of the Yithians. You know what I'm talking yes. about, Paul? Yes, from from Lovecraft, absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh, you know about the Yithians, Scott? No, I don't. 
Uh, Remind so me. This is The Shadow Out of Time. It's a great. Oh, okay. I think yeah. it's one of my favorite Lovecrafts. Um, mm. it's, it's relatively long, and it's about a uh, professor of political economy who uh, suddenly is taken over by an alien uh, mind, um, has to relearn English, and and then becomes f- fascinated with the time in which he's, he is living. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, 20 years later, he has, he has another another seizure and becomes uh, himself again, uh, but is haunted by dreams of of a period in which he was not himself, and that is the city of the Ithians. Basically, in Earth's distant past, um, these first inhabitants of the Earth, or intelligent inhabitants of the Earth, um, uh, fa- have the technology to project their minds to any point in history and and other planets in fact they're they themselves are from another planet um but they were projected into by <laughs> the ithians right so um it has that cosmic uh, element as well um but their whole thing is you know we want to learn everything and record everything and write it all down and get it all get it all in the library um because they're beyond all these you know physical needs and sexuality they they're plants so they don't care about that stuff <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they want to document. They want to they document wanna... everything. But if if the if the if they are like that, right? If they are these these um, documenting creatures, they would be able to correlate all the contents of uh, anomalies and say, "Oh, look, there was a time traveler here, and there was a time traveler here," um, and then see that some of the same time travelers are are start show up before they left, right? So I'm sort of doing a little bit of work that Poole Anderson in my own mind while I'm. Reading this, I'm I'm like doing a little work explaining how the city of the gods knows that they need to that uh, that they need to go needs to that keep the, going. That yeah. the time is cyclical. Now, now something something that's always always I've always thought about ever since reading this first reading the story for the first time is is time cyclical or or is it going to is there, or do the loops can the loops potentially change? And here's my point. So at the at the end. Let's, let's read the last sentence of, the, mm. of this. Okay. He went slowly up the steps and into the front door. There would be Sam to mourn. And then there would be the carefully censored thesis to write and life spent in satisfying work with a girl who was sweet and kind and beautiful. Even if she wasn't Tori, it was enough for a mortal man. He walked into the living room and smiled at Eve and McPherson. Hello, he said. I guess I must be a little early. So does that – now Now the, now the time machine that got – blew up. When, when he when he arrived right. here in the present, the evidence so, of his time travel is uh, absent, just like mine. Is absent. So, so this question I've always thought about is: Does this mean he's going to break the loop and not go into the future now? I think it must. And, yeah, because and, otherwise, and, and, and McPherson's that makes going to die. Right. Well, well, not McPherson. Sam. They're, they're, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So that makes me sad because that means then in this next iteration, Tori's not going to restore the Galactic Empire because. He's not going to be there with the time machine to help her. Does that make sense? <laughs> and that makes me sad because, okay, we had a nice loop of the restored Galactic Empire, but now we're going to get a loop where the Empire maybe, does fall. Maybe he'll just keep keep going at it, but he'll make perfections, right? You know, that's, so that's the really funny uh, – Scott, I don't know if you got to that point. It, but uh, no, I don't think you have in, in mm-hmm. the story if you're only 12 minutes in. Um, mm-hmm. the Professor Farnsworth has to make a quick stop uh, – in Germany and shoot Hitler. 
<laughs> oh, Hitler's giving a speech and he shoots him with a ray gun. He just disintegrates, right? Uh-huh. And then when they get to the end of the universe, um, again, uh, uh, they have to loop it again because the professor falls or something. And, <laughs> and he says, well, we'll just sl- slow down. I, I gotta get hit Hitler again. And he says, oh shit, I got Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any difference, right? So you just keep, they just keep, you can keep loop, uh, you could keep looping, um, <laughs> making little tweaks here and there, right? To see, I mean, that's the whole Ray Bradbury, uh, uh, butterfly one, right? Where, uh, or, 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 uh, there's another one. Um, um, what the heck is the name of that story? Um, in fact, the whole Futurama, uh, starts with another science fiction time travel premise, which is man, uh, from the past gets frozen and wakes up in the future. Um, that's why Futurama is such a great show is it is lifting all the great ideas of science fiction and saying we can do all of these. Mm-hmm, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, I watched it from beginning to end Futurama and I was like, I was addicted to it basically because it was, <laughs> it was, it was always thinking about all these old science fiction ideas and putting them all together. I, I got it. Okay. 1971, Andrew J. Offit's My Country, Right or Wrong. Okay. That sounds um, like an Andrew J. Offit book. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was only, it was only in a, only published, only had one publication, a publication called Proto Stars, which I happened to read. And so, so he goes into the, so he, so he basically, guy builds a time machine, goes in the future, finds that, the Russians and Americans are now friends, and he thought, "Well, this is bad." <laughs> goes back in time. What an Andrew J. Ki- Offit story. <laughs> he goes back in time, kills Lenin, goes back to the future, finds that Russia that since, since there was no Russian Revolution, that means Hitler has become Hitler won World War II, and now Germany now Russia now Germany runs America, and he thinks, "Oh, this is bad," and he keeps going back and forth, and finds. Decides to go back to his own time, but we 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 get in the side that that he basically was always going to do that because he he himself and his resistance to try to stop the future was was going to what make the future possible in the first place. It, I mean, we get to see an imperial Russian world and all sorts of things because he kills Hitler, and so then the imperial Russian Empire rules good. the world. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a, it's 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 a pretty good story. I'm I'm surprised it's not been ever reprinted anywhere else again. Again, but he's like the time traveler keeps trying to change the past, and it's it worse and worse every time. And he realizes it's a to short his horror, story too. It's not even that long. He realizes to his horror that he's just just screwing up the world more and more the more he tries. So he's just like, okay, I'll go back to my present and fix the world that way. And and it's like Mad Dog Bellamy hanged in 1986. So yeah, so he. Eventually dies building the world he was trying to prevent. I like it. Well, I, I like yeah. it a lot. It's not mm-hmm. widely available. I don't have a copy of Protostars anymore. I had that years ago, sadly. But the story had had it was indelible in my brain. Obviously, one of the mm-hmm. one of the differences between this and um, Accidental Time Machine is mm-hmm. that in that uh, in the Accidental Time Machine, it the object the time machine itself moves through space a little bit based on on uh, uh i mean basically it's mentioned in this book too is uh he said well the idea of of space with an actual fixed point 
doesn't make any sense, but it's okay. The time machine knows what it's doing, so it doesn't leave, <laughs> right? It always stays in the same spot, which is um, how it is in the original uh, Time Machine by H.G. Wells as well, right? He's always in, in you know, the just south spot. of London, right? So he, he keeps seeing the Earth from the same geological position. Um, and very similar, I think, to what... What yeah? What happens at the end of the Futurama episode, Scott? I'm going to wreck it for you. Not spoil it. Oh, no. Wreck it. You oh, can't no. even watch yeah, it now. <laughs> um, everything's the same except the Earth's uh, ten feet uh, shorter. <laughs> so they, they end up landing on their old crew and killing them. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, the important part is that that they stay in the same physical location in New 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 York, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in this book, that means sometimes he's underwater and sometimes he's inside of a mountain. And that goes right back to the original, you know, idea that H.G. Wells is working with, with is the geology, this thing about going out and wandering the hills and looking at rocks can have profound philosophical ramifications once you realize what the fuck you're looking at. You say, this rock, look at that. It's got, oh, it's got a, it's got a shell in it. Huh. That's, that's interesting. Throw it over your shoulder. Never think about it again. Well, enough people seeing those shells and enough shells in enough rocks and you see the stratification and you say, well, all living things take a little bit of time to grow, right? <laughs> so if they just start doing the math and now we've got this whole idea of, yeah, where Lovecraft says it's it's the physical size of the universe. He doesn't actually say it, but that's what is implied. The, the, the physical size of the universe and the fact that we can't uh, find a way to travel between the stars is uh, massively important to finding our place in existence, right? Um, and here... He he's grounded on the earth. It's all about. He even says goodbye to the earth at the end of the universe, right? Yeah. But he comes back um, because he's hoping, maybe, or he, I'm not sure exactly how it is in this book, but because it's a little undercooked there. But in the Futurama, it's for love, right? And mm-hmm. in Accidental Time Machine, I don't remember. It's been too long. But it, it was a comedy piece as well. It was, it was pretty funny. It's about a physic, in, indeed, they're about physics students, right? Who <laughs> are writing theses, uh, to graduate from university. And in fact, um, that great, uh, Google talk that, that, um, uh, Joe Haldeman gave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, said that what inspired him to write the story was actually a student. At MIT, you know, that's where he teaches. He also talked about how he doesn't make any money as a writer, um, because he doesn't write, he only writes what are, he, he was saying are now called standalones. It used to be every book was a standalone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now standalones are the exception rather than the rule. I mean, I, my, uh, my friend Ann Leonard tweeted today, like, I'd like to see a 2020 list of books that are standalones. Yeah. Just like, because that's now. But even things that are whole. standalone later get sequels. So he, he wrote Forever Peace and Forever Free, right? Uh, oh, God, I, oh, God. No, yeah, I did not like those sequels. Well, at one of them's, all. one of them's good. I haven't read, uh, one of them, but one of them is interesting, I think. Uh, Forever Peace is very interesting because it's not really about, uh, it's just using the same title. 
But in, in yeah, any and case, I didn't like it at all. I really didn't like that he, book. He wrote the original Accidental Time Machine um, because he was interested in this student who had taken every course at MIT but was short one um, and didn't want to graduate <laughs> um, and had keys to every uh, every uh, laboratory in the whole school because he'd been there forever. Um, and and he thought this is just an interesting character. And so if he's being forced to graduate, he's being forced to like, so he, he just sort of spun that up as an idea. And so that the character there is kind of the fun part. Uh, with Futurama, we've got the, it's, it's turned into a little bit of a love story. So we've got that circle. We've got it here as well. But, uh, if you think back to the original time traveler, um, he, he's not in love with anyone when he leaves. He's just showing off his scientific prowess to his friends, right? His colleagues, his, his peers. And then when he goes into the future and he, it isn't quite falls in love, but he finds a, a little Eloy who, uh, he saves from drowning and he takes the flowers that she's holding and shoves them in his, oh, that he gives her, puts it in his pocket. Um, when he returns and we look at those flowers again, that idea of, of loss is made more, uh, on a smaller scale, a scale small enough for us to be emotionally resonant with. Because if you just say, here's the technology, let's play with it, that's a role-playing game. That's not a story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I think this this works as well as it does is because it has that circularity um, as opposed to just a premise. It has a, uh, a kind – I think this does work pretty well, but I, I'm mostly fascinated with – with all the all the places, so I'm thinking. I guess it is more like a role playing game in my mind. Is like, oh, this is what that land is for, and that's what this is going on. And right, so all the places where he stops, I think it's it's pretty cool. I I, I wanted to mm-hmm. spend more time on that, and I, I guess that's why I like the accidental time machine more, is because it is longer. It's just a it's like seven eight hours, whereas this is two two hours twenty minutes, something like that. I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. I know, right? That's what was weird. Is usually I want things to be shorter. Yeah, yeah you, you want things crisper. And yeah, you know, uh, you remember that Star Trek episode, uh, Next Generation: The Inner Light. Yeah, that's yes. great. You I know, thought this, about that this kind of echoes right. that a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, that he lived this entire life with Tori, right? And that's then he right. goes all the way around. So he he had to have aged. Mm-hmm. Right, and then he gets all around, all the way around the the sphere or the loop or whatever, mm-hmm. and then uh, gets back to where he started. But he's lived a long time since he left. Yes, and I think that's fascinating. And, he's, he's, uh, but he's, experiences he's, he's, too, not just not just period of time, but experiences, many different kinds of experiences. Right. He's, he's suffered yeah, loss, and he's he's uh, gained love. And, and, yeah, he's fought in in you know other people's wars, and he's. He's been hosted by uh, aliens, and and if there's like a <laughs> there's all sorts of like weird little touches that it feels like that this xeno archaeologists, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I I mean, can you see why young me really fell for this story? Yeah, because it's oh, got yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a a really funny um review. <laughs> uh oh! Oh, am I gonna be angry? 
I don't know. I think it's pretty funny. A funny review on Goodreads. It's the first one that shows up for me. And it's basically a plot summary rather than a, uh, a review. The writer, Paul Bryant, has given it two stars. Um, and he shelves it under SF novels arg. <laughs> Anyways, here's, I want to just read through this, um, cause I think it's pretty funny. Saunders, a scientist. Let's go 100 years into the future in our dodgy time machine to do some science. Hull, another scientist. Okay, boss. Eve, don't be long. Missing you already. They arrive in the year 2073. There is fighting. One of them is killed. Uh, I, that surprised me, by the way, that, uh, Saunders was, uh, that, uh, Hull was killed right away. Uh, Saunders. Oh no, it turns out the time machine can only go 30 years backwards. I must go forwards again until I find a time when they have the technology to fix this. Otherwise, I will never see my Eve again. Eve, Eve, Eve! The year 2500. Saunders, can you fix my time machine? Man, global flirt, myoop, bartfolt. (laughs) Saunders. Saunders. Not much use. Off I go again. The year 3799. Saunders. Hello, where am I? Alien, this is the planet Sol, a minor member of the Galactic Federation, a peaceful organization run by infinitely wise beings. Saunders, who is Galactic President? We located the da- uh, alien. We we located the DNA of the greatest of your presidents and cloned him up to Wazoo, and here he is again, President <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> no, no, no. Saunders, no, no. I'm out of here. The year forty five hundred. Bang, crackle. Saunders, no good. That Galactic Empire didn't last all that long. Year 67121. Tinkle, tankle, tinkle, tankle. Saunders. <laughs> this looks better. Hello? Girl in immodest dress. Girl in immodest dress. <laughs> hey, toots. <laughs> Saunders. Oh have you guys invented backward time travel yet? Girl. No, mate. What have you, what you have to do is you have to go right around and then it all comes back again, like it says in the up, up Panishans. Or was it Khalil Gilbrain? Gilbrand. I never remember. Saunders. Er, what do you mean go right around? Girl. Oh, you know, really a long way forward to the end of the universe. Then keep going. Don't turn left or right, just straight on, and you'll come another to another Big Bang. Actually, it's it's not called Big Bang at this point, right? Because uh, Big mm-hmm. Bang hadn't been invented as a concept, but it's kind of there, too. Interesting, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Saunders. Another Big Bang, are you sure? Girl. Yes, really. Then you keep going, and you'll find that it's it all sort of repeats the first big bang and so forth, so on and so forth. Saunders. Well, okay, I'll try. Three million plus 1973, uh, 100, 1973 years later. Bring <laughs> the time machine reappears in the laboratory 10 minutes after it left. Eve. Oh, hello. You're back already. So he's got the plot off slightly, but the point, uh, is that's, it's a fair summary <laughs> mm-hmm. of what happens. It, it and, he only gave it two stars. I I think it's worth more than that. But I wouldn't. I I don't judge based on stars. I I think it's it's pretty good, pretty interesting. It, it's also an artifact, but of the science fictional elements that are not um, an artifact of its period, I think it's pretty impressive. You can see why I wanted you two to read it because mm-hmm. it's yeah. a I very really- self feeling. I really liked it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was if it was written today, it'd be longer for sure. It would be, but uh, uh, you know, seven and, eight hours yeah. for for uh, th- that accidental time machine novel—that's a short novel for today. 
So mm-hmm. he's not. He, yeah, he, now he it'd be a six hundred page doorstopper with lots of discursions and probably multiple space battles and all sorts of but things. But he, his point uh, is saying, you know, I'm not a commercial writer. Yeah, he has a kind of he's a critically acclaimed writer, um, in the same way I guess Ted Chiang is, right? Um, but he's become somehow commercial in that his stuff is getting turned into movies, I guess. But uh, he's writing to the length that he thinks is is appropriate. That's why I th- like, I feel like this could have gone a little longer. Um, and I would have been even happier with it because, uh, I think what, what's going on is that the period 1950 there really, it's still not novel time, right? It's still, it's still novella, novelette, short story time. That's what people yeah. were mostly yeah. writing. So he, Paul Anderson at the time, he's writing mostly fantasies at novel length, right? I don't think he had a. Um, well, a lot 1950, of he's only like in his tw- young 20s. Yeah, so this, he, he was this is one of his I early, early, he has one of early stories. So. Mm-hmm. I, I and mean, this is, was, uh, this is public domain? Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. interesting, That's right? That's cool. Well, yeah, I, I, we don't want to neglect to mention um, the audio version of mm-hmm. this on Audible, mm-hmm. which was, it's, it's very good. Flight to Forever by Paul Anderson, narrated by John W. Michaels. A.K.A. Um, Mike Vendetti. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and uh, the publisher is Spoken Realms. Wow. Is that I don't know. He, 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 he has multiple names. And, uh, Does he? Okay. Yeah, because uh, John W. Michaels is Mike Vendetti, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think, I think he might have sold some of his names to another company. But in any case, mm-hmm. what he's what he does is he raids the PDF page and uh, records stuff. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Well, great I, job. Yeah, yeah, he does. I, I I haven't heard back from him whether we're going to be able to use this as uh, audio up front. So if it's there, um, everybody can enjoy it. And if not, um, go to Audible and and grab it. It's it's uh it's a good narration and it's a it's a book that I think. It, it probably was more neglected than it should be, even though it did get a number of reprints, including that, you know, the one that Paul s- That's saw why I super across, young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, yeah I, I think that other one, My Country, Right or Wrong, Andrew J. Offit is a <laughs> what they would today call a, a problematic, I think. But what I think is, is it, it sounded really funny the way you were describing that story, Paul. It sounded like uh, really entertaining. <laughs> I, 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 entertaining I, 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 I'm not. I'm not suggesting. I, I, it's probably not in public domain that we. Can no, it's not public do. domain. It's not. I, it's 1971. No chance. But yeah, it's. So. But it, it, the fact that it's never been reprinted is is a sad story. It needs. It needs to, you know, get an ebook and somebody could get a hold of it because only one printing ever. One magazine. Uh, one. Anthology, one anthology, part of stars, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's other good stuff in there too. Did you see it, uh, Scott? There's uh, uh, James Tripchy Jr. in there, David Gerald. And, and, and that, yeah. that was the first time I came across Tiptree's work was in that anthology. So yeah, I'll be waiting for you when the swimming pool is empty yeah. by James Tiptree Jr. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just ordered a copy of that from oh, nice. Paperback Swap. Nice. All right, so, yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, we'll we'll get it in. I'll send it along to you, Paul, after I look at it. It would be nice to read it again. I appreciate that. Cool, you bet. Dimensional Sugar Cube. Um, I, I, I'm familiar with a lot of these people, but like Pamela Sargent, I've read much of. 
Parasite is really good. Mm. Mm. I haven't read. I don't. I haven't read this book. I, I don't. I've never seen it in my real life. So, I mean, my 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 older brother got it from a used bookstore and yeah, passed it on to me, and that's how I wound up with it. How much did you pay just now, Scott? Oh, nothing. Paperback swap. Nothing. You swapped yep. it. Paperback swap. What a good yep. deal. Swap till you stop. Super good site. I love it. I wish I was in the states just for that. Mm-hmm. So many, so many reasons not to live in the states. The U.S. Postal <laughs> Service is the number one reason to move <laughs> to the United States. <laughs> Despite what videos showing, you know, uh, mailmen kicking <laughs> computers down the street as they're trying to deliver them because they're too heavy, um, I still think that uh, you guys get the greatest deal on media mail ever. It's 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 almost worth suffering all the all the slings and arrows of everything that's going on. Mm. Oh, so lucky. <laughs> Media mail. You're so lucky. You know, you don't know how good you have it, Paul. Right now you could <laughs> you could paperback swap all day long. Never spend a penny, get all these great books basically for the price of a stamp. Wow, maybe a dollar? What is it? <laughs> it's super uh, cheap. they usually cost about uh I would say two twenty five. Yeah, six cents. I was thinking two twenty five. That's cheaper than yeah. any any paper book you can get. In the regular yeah. bookstore, right? Yeah, for Super sure. Deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're well, pretty close to the end here. Well, what you got, Paul? What we read about the narration that really threw me off. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh. Yeah. The, the the narrator kept pronouncing uh the uh the narrator's uh friend as Belgati. I I always when I first read this thought it was Belgatai. It's like it was like <laughs> who's this Belgati character? Bel- Belgatai <laughs> sounds much more alien. And, it, it 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 is. I'm not. I'm not certain uh, who's right. I mean, he recorded this after Paul Anderson's death. So unless we actually talk to Paul Anderson, we'll never know what Paul Anderson <laughs> thought he was going through. I mean, there's there's interesting bits. He talks about language shifts and. Mm-hmm. In fact, gets, there's some he, great. If you look at the 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 actual text, um, it, it it's fun to read. Um, I I, I'm, I was going to say John W. Michaels, but Mike was having fun i think with because there's a lot of of until they get the psychic machine that tells you what everybody's saying um <laughs> which i guess is yeah. destroyed also right that was also in the space the time travel machine you think yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so with a sudden great weariness saunders relaxed what the hell i had to come out sometime 1973 he said eh the future no the past oh different croning dead how far back 1027 years Long ways, but I was sure you must be from the past. Nobody ever came from the future. <laughs> so, so say, I mean, I mean, he he wanted to play with how like like language was going to change. Mm-hmm. Like fair enough, blast away, Martin Sand- Saunders. So it's like he was definitely having fun with playing with language and history, and I mean, yeah, so, uh, a lot of his. I, I want. I guess that's what I was saying. I, I didn't quite finish that thought, but basically, I was saying that. It's strange to me that the commercial interests, you know, Paul Anderson's trying to, he is a commercial writer making, that's how he makes his living in, in the fifties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so writing stuff like this, he writes it because, and it has to be, a, it has to have a certain sort of stuff <clears throat> in order for it to get on the cover, for him to sell it for, right? So it's all commercially driven. Now today, this would be turned into a, you know, a multi-book series, right? Where it's at least three, maybe four, maybe six, maybe seven, maybe eleven books long. Um, 
And when hearing uh, Joe Haldeman talk about it, you know, some people have a mimeograph machine <laughs> inside their head so they can just, you know, I'm thinking like somebody like Brandon Sanderson, who's very successful at turning, uh, you know, oh, and series, yes. Yeah. And, and starting new series, right? So that even though he's not the most interesting writer ever, he's not a bad writer. He's just not the most interesting writer ever. He can make a living at it because he can physically sell more product. Um, uh, it, to me, what makes this cool is that it's cool despite the fact that it's got these sort of commercial limitations. Um, and, and then thinking about why I like the accidental time machine more, it's because he's not thinking of the market. He was trying to write a book for him, right? And also it'll happen to sell. That's cool too. <laughs> but he, mm -hmm. he makes his living as a, you know, a, a English teacher at MIT. So, it's it's that commercial aspect. Um, obviously, it owes a debt, right? There's a debt to be owed. Mm -hmm. uh, even if he doesn't know, if he even if he hadn't read this story and wasn't aware of it, um, it it's fascinating to think about how it could be developed just parallel in parallel. Because mm -hmm. once you start thinking about any science fictional concept. Um, all sorts of ideas spring to mind. And then if you're a commercial writer or a non-commercial writer who's just really into it, you can spin up all sorts of cool ideas that are all throughout this, this pretty interesting book. Have you read the um, short, it's short story slash essay by L. Sprague de Camp, Language for Time Travelers? I think you mentioned it to me before. Oh, but I, don't I, I, I may have mentioned yep. it before because, I mean, the whole part with uh, when – Belgatti or Belgatai talks. I, I kept thinking of that essay, like because because he even has like a whole paragraph talking about where Anderson talks about how language has changed. And it's like, yeah, they, he, he's clearly resonating off of the camp here and applying those principles to figure out how, how people would talk in the future. And even in the even even uh, when we get to the get to the uh, galactic the small galactic empire, and he learns how. Oh yeah, that's that's something that has permanently changed in him. That doesn't get ret retconned by the structure of the time machine. He can speak galactic because uh, <laughs> the, the Vrar High. <laughs> Who's he going to speak it to? <laughs> well, no, but 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 you know, because I find language and that sort of thing fascinating. He he basically has a whole right, language no one else spoke in his in his head that he could he could write stuff. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, he's basically like Tolkien. He's basically has an invented language right. in his head that he could write stuff in. And but we get describing on how it sounds or what it feels like. And I, I, I really like that that sort of detail. Like, yeah, the future is just not going to be Eng the same English forever into the future. It's going to change, and that, that idea fascinating me then and fascinates me now. Mm -hmm. This actually um, is. <laughs> it made me think of a tweet I put out that I thought was pretty interesting. I'm going to give it to you guys. I don't know if you spotted it, Paul. I know Scott, you're not a tweeter anymore. Um, <laughs> it just occurred to me. Um, like how useless my job is <laughs> in any other period than the time and place where I live. Um, like what skills do I have? So I, th I said, if, if you were transported a exactly a thousand years back in time, um, what jobs would you could be qualified for? And then uh, the question uh, supplemental to that is, are you in the same place? And I thought, sure, why not? So you're, you're physically in the same place, right? So a lot of the people who answered, uh, were saying inventor, <laughs> right? And I thought, yeah, that's kind of, 
uh, I'm pretty sure you can't be an inventor. Um, uh, just so, what, what do you think? If you were transported a thousand years back in time and you ended up in uh, Utah, Scott, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, in the exact, you know, you're exactly in the same position. Your chair f- falls out from under you. You land on a tree stump. Um, yeah. You're wearing just the clothes you have and no pocket calculator. What job would you be qualified for? <laughs> well, there would be no jobs. There's some people there, though. There's people. There would be survival, is with that, too. <laughs> right? But could you could you start a could you be like the cook? Could you start a fire? Could I? I could cook. Yeah. Could I've never hunted, so I would. That's a skill. I could fish. Oh uh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I I would be doomed. Uh-huh. Just with that, yeah, because I'm, I'm going to what when you wind up in the Sioux country a thousand years ago. I have no skills that the Sioux would find useful. But this reminds me of another Poole Anderson short story. As a matter oh, of cool. fact, uh-huh. I mean, you you've uh, you guys know about Less Darkness Fall by us. I was the camp and mm-hmm. Mark Twain's a Connecticut Yankee, King Arthur's court. So Poole Anderson. When did he write it? Uh, he wrote it in 1956. He wrote a short story called The Man Who Came Early. Mm. And it's about an American who's traveling in Iceland. And he falls back into the past. And he figures, I got this. I can bend stuff. I can just rule. I got a gun. It all goes very, very badly for him. <laughs> so it's almost like Paul Anderson say, looking at the Let's Talk to like, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't work. You yeah, Martin Padway would not be able to succeed. And I'm gonna write the story to prove that that's really, really stupid idea. And he wrote it. Yeah, the, the stupid American bumbling in, I, I in the dark ages Iceland. Yeah, it goes really badly for him. It's a, it's, it's darkly funny in that way. This is he just like, his point is, yeah, the past is a different country, and you just transport back to the past. Yeah, you couldn't be a king and rule everything. That's just that's how good, that's how they happen. So, so that, I, what I made me think of that is, you know, he's seen all these future technologies, right? Why can't he implement them uh, when he goes back? Even if he doesn't have, you know, blueprints, he 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 knows the principles behind some of these new things, right? He's seen yeah. some new stuff, uh, the atomic energies, et cetera, that have been developed and. I don't know, the electrical time or whatever, the yeah. booming God voice, et cetera. Um, so I, I want to read uh, that tweet and see what it's got here. Uh, so I said, if you were transported, th- this is back in December, early December. If you were transported a thousand years back in time and were given your exact present knowledge of history and technology, what job would you be most qualified for? Notice I put a trick in there with the history and technology. I'm trying to make people make a mistake well, by you, saying specifying that tweet that was the exact same spot so i think i responded a clerk because i was thinking right. you know, like a medieval scribe right no, well no i i, I, I think I, we can I, modify it both ways because because I, I, I know enough latin i probably could get along doing that and then i said as a supplement uh for example a long time ago i thought that as in a connecticut yankee i could expect my then present knowledge of gunpowder and gun tech would make me able to prosper as a gunsmith Yet now my better knowledge of gun tech means that I think that is a far less likely job. Uh, so Yeah, be, because in Less Darkness Fall, Martin Padley tries to invent guns and he fails. What's interesting be- is that it's not it's not the um it's not the actual uh 
you know, the knowledge of how the mechanisms work, like revolvers and breech loaders and all, all these different and, you know, rifling, all that. That's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is how to make it a commercially successful product when you have to make it a, a massive amount of tooling. And then who's your market? If it's not more reliable than a spear or a guy with a bow, then it's not going to work. So, you know, that, uh, guns of the South where, uh, they try and win the American Civil War by having AK 47s sent back in time. Um, that, that would work because they're reliable, right? And they've got ammunition. But if you don't, if you, if you don't have, if you just have what you have, which is knowledge, um, it's not like double, I was thinking double entry bookkeeping. That'd be really useful. Just <laughs> not for where I am, right? If I, if I was transported back in time a thousand years in England, then a double entry bookkeeping would probably be quite useful. Um, maybe explaining why it's a good idea might take some time, but it is a, it, it is an improvement. I just don't think it, it would take off right away. So, uh, another thing I pointed out is that Luke, Luke Burridge could keep his old job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also said male stage actors could also find work if they're in, you know, Europe. <laughs> Midwives would be in high demand, modern day with midwives, because that's the exact same, right? And grooms for horses. Um, I guess most veterinarians who, uh, who could make do. Um, and then, uh, a lady who uh, goes by the name of Undine, aka Horrible Sanity, um, great tweeter on Twitter. She said, I know a lot about herbal remedies, the supernatural and cats. So I suppose my job would be being burned at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> oh my gosh wow. <laughs> my friend uh will Emonsky, um or i say Emonsky. it's emmons but his name ends Emonsky because it's ky at the end because he's in kentucky will says uh i would be a monk who openly has a wife <laughs> monk you know you could be a copyist if you if you go to some other place right scott yeah, you could, yeah. You could copy mm-hmm. from one thing to another, even if it's not the right language. You can still copy. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then Jenny said, uh, "Pre-book, right?" So I suspect I'd be trapped somewhere baking, and that's actually a useful skill, right? Or mm-hmm. making cheese, either as a nun or a wife, probably in the Highlands of Scotland. So she's obviously moving herself from uh, South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. And then Carl Gallagher, he's the guy we did a book uh, on recently. Hasn't come out yet. Um, what was it called? The, uh, it's the fives fold ship, Scott. Oh, no, Paul, maybe you weren't there for that. Yeah. I, I don't think I was on. Yeah, that's a, that pretty one. interesting. It's a sort of like Firefly, but with hard physics or hard SF no, physics. I, no, I definitely wasn't on that one. Anyways, he says, um, arming trebuchets, <laughs> army quartermaster <laughs> or accountant. Oh, aiming, mm-hmm. aiming trebuchets. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how he got go. the aiming trebuchet, trebuchets, but, um, yeah. So it, it's interesting. I, I think myself, I said I would be maybe qualified as a sailor. Maybe. <laughs> I'd be a bad sailor because I haven't done it in a long time, but I'm near the water, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the thing is, is around here a thousand years ago, you wouldn't, you don't have just like, you know, 300 years ago, you don't have to work very hard. There's lots of food. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, not making a fool out of yourself. <clears throat> I don't hmm. think I don't think you'd be in trouble with uh, uh, the locals a thousand years ago, Paul. 
they just find you a curiosity and maybe a burden, like they would find me a burden around here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, where you are, I mean, the Pacific Northwest is so rich in food and uh, and natural resources. Yeah, you survive, but I'm I'm living I'm living in I'm in Minnesota. I I mean I I mean you got to pull your weight around here in the Great White North in the winter. So yeah, unless I somehow got to Vancouver, <laughs> then maybe then, I don't then think maybe that's happening. Of, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to travel across. I'd have to walk fifteen hundred miles in. Yeah, without roads, that would be. And no, only wearing the shoes you you have on at the moment. <laughs> um, well, I, I have a good set of work boots, so that could. No, be no, okay. what you're wearing right now, Paul. Oh, I socks. don't have any shoes on at all. I'm Just in socks. You're I'm in screwed. socks. I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it to five miles, much less to Vancouver. It's a it's a fun idea because we can't we can't uh, say what the future a thousand years is going to be like, but we do know pretty well what a thousand years in the past is like, or or even two hundred or ten thousand. We we know pretty well what's going on. I mean, there's going to be exceptions, but um, that's that's the cool thing about uh, time travel is is only going pat in the past. It's it turns into a you know let's kill Hitler scenario going into the future. It it's much more science fictional. It's much more about what what do what ideas that we have now can be exploded, right? He doesn't ever find transistors in the future. <laughs> yeah, he, he finds it finds atomic power, but he doesn't find better circuits. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, but that's true. They, he does find theory. better circuits. They're just not they're not ex- explicated because if they had been, they would have had them in 1950, right? I mean, that's that's a limitation of all science fiction. Some, some things you just can't predict. But that's, I mean, that's the way to make I mean, it richer is by bringing in, you know, the Yithians. And I was thinking the Silurians. Right? From, the Silurians from the deep past. Doctor right. Who, yeah. Yeah. And you got and you get some you throw in the 80211, um, uh, you know, time traveler with the crab in the beach and you just crab throw in keep throwing in more science fiction stuff. <laughs> to make the future you have the Star Trek future and <laughs> right. Um, in fact, um uh, that's another thing we didn't mention in the last podcast, uh Paul. What's that? It was so good. Uh Scott, you you're really missing out by not reading more Philip K. Dick. It was so funny. Um they they're in the they're in the future um <laughs> and they go to the they talk about going to the movies. He say, "Hey, you want to go see the new Captain Kirk?" <laughs> And it was, yes. Captain Kirk was a genre. <laughs> and it was Captain also, Kirk. it was lowercase, yes. Captain Kirk. <laughs> Love it. This is before Star Trek was, uh, this is written, uh, before Star Trek was, uh, past, you know, it was still a TV show, but it, it had wow. been canceled. Uh, but it became, that. it's not great. Yeah, so, 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 cool. yeah, so, so Folky Dick predicted mm-hmm. the resurgence of Star Trek and those, and so sources and those sorts of space. Space opera, and turned it into a genre, things. right? Nice. I, I mean, do we know for sure? I mean, we have to assume that Philip K. Dick saw Star Wars, didn't he? He must have watched seen Star Wars. Uh, I do not know, but I would guess that he was aware yeah. of it. He would have been yeah. aware of it, especially get, considering you know he was uh, getting his stuff picked up as option for movies, right? Yep. So, so, so yeah, maybe if. Uh, Flow White Tears came out a few years ago. He said, "Well, I'll go see the the new Luke Skywalker instead of the new Captain." Yeah, Kirk. exactly. That's uh, and that's what the latest Star Trek is, right? It's it's the new Luke Skywalker. 
The new Darth, the new Darth Vader. If Darth Vader was the, 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 the new Empire, yes, <laughs> that's that's a different podcast. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. We ran out of ideas. This book is too short. <laughs> it, uh, wow. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Hello, how are you guys? I'm good. Excellent. I'm a little tired from all those loops. Uh, okay i got one recorder working and the other one is a wall what happened to the other one maybe it's still booting up a wall recorder i don't even remember what it's called now i think it's blue amalto i think that's it do you use the skype recorder no (laughs) okay no It, it records in video which is so stupid Oh yeah. I mean, I mean you can convert it. It's a pain But in that's the butt. stupid. Why why would we why it's uh, well, well, well I do say that well I mean at the time it wasn't available, but I do point out we have lost at least one podcast here because <laughs> all our recorders broke. Uh-huh. I am just saying Yeah, well that's not a bad idea for a backup. Uh, I'm not recording, should I be? Yeah. Take, take me a minute to set up. Yeah, it's going to take me a minute for my Amalto to boot up, too. Maybe maybe I have to download an update. I know, it was asking me to update every five seconds. Uh, do I? Yeah, sure. I want to open that folder. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Okay, it seems <clears throat> to be there. All right, I got that. I'm going to get some Wikipedia entries out if there are any. Okay, that one down. Oh, what? Oh, Firefox is dead. Okay. Firefox is dead. It's fine. It's fine. What difference does that make? Come on now. To restore it, just like the word Galactic Empire needs to be restored. Save it for the podcast. (laughs) It's called. Flight to forever. forever. That's a that must be a different <laughs> song version or something. <laughs> <All right. clears throat> Good reads. No, what else? Oh yeah, the PDF. I can get that. I know where it resides. Right on my hard drive. It re- rides on your hard drive. It, does, it resides on my hard drive. It, it oh, resides on the internet, too. Uh, it's called Flight to Forever. There we go. And I'm going to just check the ISFDB as well. Why not? There we go. And okay. then... <laughs> All right, I'm recording. Good. Me too. I got two recorders yeah, yeah, yeah. working. Testing one, two, three. Okay. Uh, that's right. Okay. Oh, there we go. It's it's uh, been republished a number of times. Indeed. There we go.
Oh, I'll save it for the podcast. podcast. Save it for the podcast. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm ready if you guys are ready. Let me get my recorder started. And then we can do a show. Come on, dumb thing. There it goes. How dare you, Paul? You're so mean. What? Don't be a dumb thing. Okay. Okay. I'll get over it. I am ready when you guys are. I am ready. All right. Here we go. Hi, I'm Jesse. Today on Reading Short and Deep, we're not. (laughs) No. (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, my mom's asking me when you're going to put those uh, trailers in the... Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about that. I need to get that done. Yeah. I'll I'll try to do it this weekend. Excellent. I will let her know. (laughs) I'll tell her your Catholic guilt is getting to you. I'm sorry. I I was like, oh, my gosh. I completely forgot. It's, all right. It's quite all right. I've got everything we need, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Je- – oh, wait. It's uh, it's now Jesse uh, Paul Scott, I think, right? Correct. Okay, right. here we go. Yeah. 